0: guys with the particular villains that we are discussing today and of course the civil unrest going on in our country involving our police and our government and just uh the protests and rise ups and things like that Uh, in your opinion is there ever a time when violence against the government or against our police or against uh just each other is acceptable and what is that time
1: that is a slippery question um i
0: promise i don't work for the fbi just just curious has nothing to do with my my fbi or cia credentials purely curious to answer that
1: question it's both a yes and a no historically speaking change or a violent revolution of sort usually comes at the end when all other options and/or diplomacy fails, but that's not something that you can just say like, "Oh, if they do this, it's a, it's a situational thing." Each each revolution, if you will, kind of has to be uh, march to its own beat of the drum. You can't just say it's not one of those things you can blanket a statement on.
0: I feel like it should never be an individual thing, like ever. There should never just be one individual that takes, <laughs> that makes the decision for everybody. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because this is the, the real world. V for vendetta doesn't work.
0: Yeah,
2: actually, I think we learned a lesson with that pretty recently. It turns out, when you shoot a dude with a mustache, some bad shit happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a earth shattering war. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Uh, Ian, got anything to put this? Add to this? Oh, oh, ooh, I got it. I got it. Okay. I'm
2: not going to put too much of my own opinion on that specific question, but I am going to say that your revolution has to fucking exist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's not just in your fucking head. So that's kind of we'll
1: start there. Or, or it can't exist in the minds of multiple uneducated, inbred redneck horse fuckers that live in a shit-covered commune of trailer parks with their own fake money or shiny beads that they use, you know, and, and a distortion of religion in ways to, you know, ju- justify their particular behaviors. Joel, Joel, alleged horse fuckers. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Who am I going to offend? The fucking Nazis?
0: It's a good mixture of what both of you guys are saying, honestly. Like, there has to be some sort of, like, revolution. It can't just be, oh, well, I think what's going on is wrong, and therefore, me solely am going to make the decision to fuck it all up. And, on the other hand, like, I also believe that, like, individuality is just not welcome in revolution. Like... It has to be, like... It has to be a large collective of the will of the people for it to actually work. It can't just be just one person. Like, it can't just be this one asshole's fucking racist thoughts. Or it can't just be this, this one guy who feels like he's oppressed. And even if it is one person that is oppressed, like, it has to be a collective, like,
1: thing. But, as we're going to learn today... With our particular first villain we're talking about, it may not have been, in fact, the Lone Wolf scenario. (laughs) Uh Oh, oh, don't do that. Listen, uh, viewers, at listeners at home, you can't see Ian's face with the miles of fucking eye-rolling he just gave me there. But there's credible evidence to show that our first villain did not act alone.
2: Actually, I'm not—I wasn't eye-rolling because of that. I was saying that— yeah,
1: like we can definitely go down this, but we literally don't have time on this podcast. <laughs> it is not going to fucking happen. I don't have to worry about my kids today, so you know what? We have fucking time today. We
0: can put just the tip in the rabbit hole. Okay.
1: <laughs> I don't do good with the just the tip,
0: oh, and I really funny. don't
1: like. I really don't like the phrase "put the tip in the rabbit hole." Something about that just <laughs> feels inherently dirty.
0: All right, welcome to another episode of the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'm Steven. I am Joe Ligula. I'm Ian. Bumper sticker selling pickle juice eating mingle. You should have thrown snake oil in there as well, by the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But uh, anyway, if you're just joining us for the first time, what we do here is we take one real life villain, one fictional villain. We discuss their crimes, their motives, their histories, any connections the two may have. And at the end of the episode, we cap things off with whether or not they could be redeemed with our trusty bowler hat scale. And the reason we kicked off the episode with rising up in government bullshit and fucking revolution is because two of the guys that we're talking to talking about today decided to take matters into their own hands and cause some fucked up shit you know individually understatement of the fucking <laughs> century yeah fucked up shit yeah that's a that's a way to
2: describe that listen
0: i never claimed to be a scholar. I never claim to be okay. good with them, their word thingies. I'm not a smart man, but I know what <laughs> fucked up shit is. general <laughs> Even Forrest Gump knows how to bury the lead. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're talking about Timothy McVeigh, otherwise known as the Oklahoma City Bomber, and the antagonist from the Mr. Mercedes book trilogy, uh, Brady Hartsfield, created by Stephen King. And uh, so let's get started with McVeigh, shall we? I,
1: said, I mean, if we really have to talk about a fucking piece of shit that no one will ever love in any way, from the moment of birth till death, to long after his death. I think a lot of people probably know about Timothy
2: McVeigh because it was such a high profile thing and he talked a fucking lot too. So I, I want to talk about how important this was, why he was wrong, how do we... Uh, you know, like, move away from it. And also, how fucking nerdy this dude is. How dumb this man is.
0: Yeah. You guys remember when domestic terrorism was carried out by white veterans and people in America still just referred to brown people as terrorists? You guys remember that? That was yesterday, buddy. Oh, oh, that's right. I, for some reason, I thought that was, like... I don't know, like years and years ago.
1: But to be honest, let's let's be real here. This was uh and I know that the listeners at home there are some of them who are within our age range who are going to remember the exact day it happened and I need people to understand before we go any further. I think it's important for us to say we are not making light of this tragedy. All right? It's going to come across like that. We do not make light of any of this stuff. I know, but I feel I feel this is such a It's a serious and sensitive subject that we need to make sure that people understand. We're going to make fun of the bomber. And sometimes our humor can be a little much. So understand, we we, want to handle this with seriousness. So just remember, we're making fun of the nerdy piece of shit potato head-shaped motherfucker
2: joel i think that was very well put and like uh back to the subject of fucking horses
0: is it more of a potato or a sweet potato
1: (sighs) no no
2: guys guys have you looked up fucking uh um oh my god what's his name that did all the uh, cosmic horror shit
1: hp lovecraft
2: yes have you looked up a picture of hp lovecraft next to this motherfucker timothy mcveigh
1: but i can see it Yeah, they do look
0: alike they look so
2: similar
0: they, they really do. Yeah, and they're both raging racists. <laughs> Let's get started with Timothy McVeigh. All right, so he was born in 1968. He was raised by his father when his parents divorced, when he was 10 years old. Uh, as a child, a young child, he was known as being like kind of outgoing and playful. But as he moved into adolescence, he started becoming more and more shy, more and more withdrawn.
1: Because he has what we like to refer to now as the uh, main ingredient in the serial killer Mass killer, uh, soup, aka massive head, head trauma. trauma. Whoop, whoop, whoop. When he this- was eight years old, he bash the fuck out of his head dude the front of his fucking skull saw more
2: action than like a bumper car in coney island this motherfucker he had a paint can drop on his head he hit him he he crashed his bike so hard he forgot he had a fucking bike
0: and that lines up really well with like the fact that he withdrew and and started becoming extremely shy like right around 10 11 you know you and you attribute to you attribute a little bit of the emotional trauma of your parents getting divorced and and whatnot that goes along with that as he got a little bit older into into high school. Like, he really only had one girlfriend throughout any of his teen years. Like, he basically told people later on that he had no clue how to impress women. It's a funny thing about when we use the phrase girlfriend with Timothy McVeigh. He was
1: working, I think it was at the local Burger King, if memory serves. He was working at the local Burger King where he lived. And uh, his girlfriend was an older woman who was married, who deflowered young timothy when his dad was out of town yeah the cougar king uh, okay, okay. So- <laughs> hi there timothy i love the way your potato shaped head just shines and glistens when we get the grease from the fryer on it let me just tell you right now i'm dripping wet for you right now do you want to go to my dad's house I just feel that's how it went. Give me them fries.
2: I want the Burger King. Put me on top of the flat top. Mm. Give me... <laughs> but in reality, though, he was the only one that could confirm that story. Couldn't quite remember her name. I mean, that kind of would line up with the uh, head trauma. But this is a quote from him. He said, I sexed her so good, and she set, kept saying, I love to fuck, which is exactly what a real person that actually existed
0: says. <laughs> Definitely not a robot or a figment of the imagination. Or, yes.
1: or, or an yeah. MK Ultra CIA plant, <laughs> <laughs> who's Jason Bourne losing their mind programming is starting to go off. <laughs> oh, fuck. Amazing.
0: As he got into high school, he was actually, uh, he started getting really interested in computers, and- hacked his way into government systems with his Commodore 64. Uh, he was named most promising computer programmer in high school. Although he did have poor grades, uh, he still graduated in 1986. I think he was one
2: point off of being the top, like, 100% on the math score. So, like, he's got the uh, cognitive, like... He, he can do fucking math. He's very good at that. But as far as social shit goes... He's absolutely terrible at it. Like, we might actually look back on him and say, maybe he has some sort of mental disorder, blah, blah, blah. But that's all
0: posthumous. Yeah, it's called brain trauma. That's the mental disorder. Yeah. (laughs) It it,
1: it is a brain trauma, but it also, his particular behaviors also, there are experts who say that he shows a high form of autism, uh, Asperger's syndrome, which does in fact line up with the behaviors and later on how these behaviors manifested.
2: Yeah, let's be clear here. Asperger's doesn't cause you to do this
0: too. Like I was also going to say Asperger's doesn't cause you to be a horrendous racist no. either. Oh no, no. no that's a no. that's a special soup we call nature and nurture. And Timothy had a uh, a really scary combination during high school of extreme racism and an affinity for firearms yeah also one thing that you got to realize is that tim
2: was smart um but just really wanted people to like him and as soon as soon as he got any type of like bullying pushback that kind of thing his victimhood just went the fuck off like for example he scored 41 points in one fucking game at uh, in high school basketball like he was very good at that and his teammate called him his least favorite nickname by the way noodle mcveigh fucking love it um and he immediately quit what pussy
1: <laughs> wait what was his nickname his what name? was his fucking oh,
2: nickname you guys don't
1: know this yeah yeah his nickname was noodle because he was tall skinny oh timothy oh timothy yeah. i love the noodles oh no
0: burger king doesn't sell noodles that's right. I gotta get him
1: special order. <laughs> Man, if I special order your king size noodle, Timothy,
0: oh. <laughs> I love how this woman just turned into fucking Judd from Pet Cemetery. By the way, Joel. That's
1: all I can imagine what she probably looks like. I think she sounds like Judd from Pet Cemetery and looks like Gomer Pyle with
0: tits. <laughs> I can't remember where he was born. Where was? Where is he from? Yeah, it was New York. It was a
2: place outside of Buffalo. It was a pretty small town, if I
0: remember. Oh, gotcha. Right. Well, small town and firearms go together like fucking peanut butter and jelly. Shweep. He basically got interested in guns like through his grandfather. And going back to what Ian was saying about him, like wanting attention from his classmates and, and wanting to be liked, he would actually bring his guns to school to show off to his classmates. We're kind of lucky that this didn't turn into a school shooting situation, honestly. Well, he absolutely wasn't as radicalized in high school as he would become later on in life. Probably not very many black people at his school either to hate. But actually, the fun story about that black people thing
2: he. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is serious. This is absolutely serious. Fun
0: story about
2: that black people thing.
1: No, can we just stop right there and just uh, localize that audio and just. Save that for when Ian becomes famous. Okay,
2: so the reason I say this, like, this guy later in life became a a rampant racist, and we can see many different reasons why. But he literally never saw in person a black person until he was 19.
0: Like, he never laid eyes on a black person until he was 19. And that is an unfortunate truth for many small towns in the United States. Many, many... I mean, there are people out there that don't leave their small towns their entire fucking lives. I mean, they're there until they're 80 years old. Maybe never see a black person in person. A person in person. Well, yeah, (laughs) I mean,
1: if you're the result of your two cousins, first cousins fucking, you don't want to leave town. No one's going to accept your club foot and your fucking guy hanging being like, I am the product of love.
0: No one's gonna. No one else outside of your small town is not gonna, gonna, gonna appreciate I'm gonna generalize that. that all people that live in small towns for their entire lives are inbred, Joel. Yeah.
2: Uh, Besides, he was the product uh, <laughs> of local softball
1: legend. Okay. Oh Mr. shit. My bad. I'm sorry that I insulted right. the name of softball. <laughs> Noodle-ass McVeigh, well-known for his fucking fastball. Screwball (laughs) McVeigh.
0: There we go, even better. (laughs) Right after high school, a couple years, uh, when he was 20, he joined the U.S. Army. Right off the bat, he was reprimanded for purchasing a white power t-shirt at a KKK rally. So uh, he pretty much made it known right away that he was a piece of shit. But he was also a top-scoring gunner on military vehicles and was pretty quickly promoted to sergeant. So right off the bat this guy's starting to climb in power a little bit in the United States military. Um, he was known for assigning undesirable work to black soldiers uh, as well as calling them racial slurs while he was doing it. Fun times there. Always love when people when racist people get put in- into power.
1: It's not like we see that going on today in any capacity.
2: No, never. That's get out of here, Joel. That was that was years or minutes ago. Okay. okay. Good point. My bad. So one of the things about, like, the 19-year-old thing that I was telling you about, he, uh, he had a job at a at a Brinks security company. And that was the first time he ever actually saw another black person was when they were on, a way, on their way into a, uh, a big drop. Had a lot of money. They all had a lot of guns. He actually brought his own guns to that, and everybody called him The Kid. He thought they meant Billy The Kid. They were definitely saying,
0: look at this fucking idiot. He has a different gun every day. Listen, man, sometimes you just got to BYOG, you know? Bring my... (laughs) <laughs> hey now,
1: listen, y'all are coming to the rally tonight. Listen, we only got a small amount of guns. The revolution is gonna take a little while. So what I'm gonna need y'all to do is gonna be a BYOG situation. If y'all could do that, that'd be great. Uh the cross burning is being provided by Cletus and his family. If y'all could say thank you to Cletus and his wife, that would be fantastic. Cletus, is your wife here? <laughs> <laughs> No, this guy was such an insufferable nerd. He, he fucking had a problem with the KKK. He was like, oh, I don't approve of the KKK because uh, they're not helpful for the kids and they're very deceptive in their... God, he was a hipster oh, racist. Yeah, he, he, he complained about the <laughs> deceptive nature of the KKK. And I'm like, are you... This so racism fucking- is way
0: too mainstream for me. kidding me. me. So I'm going to reinvent my own way to be racist. Dude,
2: this guy was like, he was the fucking, he's that one dude at that shitty job that you worked with who would immediately be like, "Mm, company policy says, schnurf, schnurf, schnurf And then as soon as his boss would be like, hey, like, could you just chill? He'd be like,
1: this is an outrage. I'm out. I'm going to the manager. Yeah.
0: Or I'm going going to the manager's manager. Oh, God, he's the original yeah. Karen.
1: He is the original yes. Karen to lose her shit. <laughs> when we say Karen's blow up, he was the first one to blow up.
2: Oh, buddy. that I like it.
0: No, Ooh. no, I like it. <laughs> I like it. Props, Joel. <laughs> okay. Thank you. He was deployed in Desert Storm. Uh, he later told interviewers that he decapitated an Iraqi soldier uh, with cannon fire on his first day and celebrated
1: it actually he received a commendation for this now you have to understand especially during operation desert storm we were these gentlemen who were going in were being specifically told like hey expect heavy casualties heavy fire they will fight you tooth and claw every step of the way every single step you take you will be under a hail of bullets this is they're telling him that this is this generation's normandy All right. And so Timmy McVeigh, a guy who already has violent tendencies, is fucking excited and goes gung-ho. You know, they got some pushback, but just it was the quickest, most powerfully decisive victory in U.S. (laughs) history against a foreign army. Because I don't know, there's a difference. There's a vast drop
0: off between first and fifth place. In the world armies, sort of reminiscent of the Howard Unruh guy that we talked about. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. Who was like an insane fucking. Uh, I think he was a gunner as well, right? Yep. And th- the thing
1: is, is that he did in fact shoot. He did in fact kill two Iraqis that were in a uh, a jeep gun with a mounted gun on it. He did kill him. He did receive a field commendation for it, but. The US government won't release it, but apparently, according to some reports from his fellow soldiers, he in fact murdered a lot of fucking people over there. People who were in the, who had surrendered, and they refused to talk about it. Like, apparently, admitting you were, you know, I don't know, in part of a war crime. Just makes people shut the fuck up. But
0: yeah. Oh, you mean the military doesn't like to admit that it just breeds psychopaths? Nah. <laughs>
2: okay, hold on, hold on, hold. On. First off, there's a lot of people that go into the military and they are fine. Maybe they go in for different reasons and they come out for. Different I did reasons. not
0: say anything about them, did I?
2: So that being said, you know what a normal casualty rate of friendly fire is during a war. It's around 2.6%. Uh, during the Iraq war, it was about 25%. So they were telling them that all of these people, all these soldiers that were being killed were by an elite Iraqi death group, a squad of killer Iraqis. So they had all these fucking soldiers keyed up and they're just like, there's one, bah, bah, bah!
0: there's one, bah, 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 bah! I don't understand. I feel like that your explanation there is just feeding into my point. Oh, yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, wait. Are you debating me right now? Because I'm like, wait. (laughs) All right. But going back to what Joel was saying, like, he actually received several service awards while in the military. Uh, He received the Bronze Star, a National Defense Medal, a Southwest Asia Service Medal, an Army Service Ribbon, a Kuwaiti Liberation Medal. He tried to join the Special Forces after Desert Storm, but he washed out in the process, was honorably discharged in 1991. The thing was, is that he was
1: actually fast-tracked before his deployment to be, in like a green beret like they were fast tracking him one of his superiors said if I had a hundred Timothy McVay's, there would be no battle that I could not win he was widely respected because he was a good soldier and then when he went to Iraq and they didn't have that action he kind of got chubby and he lost his edge they offered him the opportunity they said okay you're stateside we can give you four months four months to get back in shape to get back to peak performance And then go back and then, you know, start your uh, Green Beret training. And he said, no, I'm good. And shock of all shocks, he fucking washed out. And then here's the best part. They offered him the chance. Be like, listen, man, we'll give you another chance, which they don't do very often. They said, go get yourself together. And then come back, and he's like, "Nah, I don't want to." He, ha- I'm disillusioned by the military.
2: No, he had one thing go wrong. That was the thing, because that's kind of how he's always been. One thing goes wrong, he, like for example, when he was a, uh, he was 19. He was shooting guns at his father's house. So he's 19. He's 19. He's at his dad's house. He's outside shooting guns 24/7 because he probably wants to fuck his guns because he. It's the only thing he understands. And he's got a noodle dick. And he's got a noodle dick. I mean, they didn't call him that for nothing. He's just out there shooting guns 24-7. And his neighbors call the fucking cops. They're like, dude, we got kids. Like, it's 24 It sounds like a fucking war zone over here. So the sheriff... Understandably. Yeah. Understandably, they called the fucking cops. Yeah. So the sheriff comes up and he says, hey, man, you know, you have a right to shoot your firearms here if you want to, but it's really fucking loud. It's three o'clock in the morning and... The neighbors got kids, and of course, Tim takes this as
1: the government is trying to take my gun. And here it comes, and here begins the real reason Timothy McVeigh did what he did. Now you're gonna hear later on where he talks about how oh it was the attack on Waco and the attack of the at Ruby Ridge. No, no, it was not. That was a clever use. Uh, that was not even clever. That was just a excuse that this motherfucker used because he was afraid that the government was coming to take our guns
2: does anybody know where he got the idea that like him specifically where he got the idea that the government was going to take his guns and this was and i quote the first seal being broken
1: uh usually people like that especially during that time frame prior to the internet it was gun shows and pamphlets. Bah, 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 bah. We got a winner
2: over here, and one specific book that I, I
1: absolutely fucking hate. Oh God! Oh God! Joel, do you know which book I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. The it is what enters in the rye is to presidential assassins. The Turner Diaries is to fucking white supremacist crimes.
2: It is 200 and some odd pages of not just bad writing, but a
1: damn near how-to for racists with guns how to make a bomb how to start your own militia how to start terrorist cells in and how to overthrow the government so it's
0: the racist anarchist cookbook oh yes yeah
2: <laughs> but a lot more detailed and, and it literally has Jews eating uh, white people if I remember
0: correctly are, are white people kosher?
2: wow <laughs> oh my god that sentence never needs if to be said again if we could never again.
1: make that statement again <laughs> holy shit oh god <laughs> But no, ladies and gentlemen, do yourself a big favor. Don't, when doing research for anything like this, don't look up the Turner Diaries on your phone at work because it's really, really hard to explain to your coworkers of a different color that, yes, this is for research for a podcast. Don't make my mistake. Joel, why do you keep making air
0: quotes when you say research? I, I'm just asking. He's like, it's for re- Shut research. The fuck up, be it. <laughs> he was basically starting to go crazy at this point. You know, he started becoming very anti government, complaining about taxes, complaining about the power corruption. Uh, claiming the military had put a microchip in him to trace his whereabouts. It's like, dude, the military doesn't give a fuck about where you are. Or No, they don't. They don't, Joel. Okay, okay. Whoa, hey. (laughs) This is when he got out of the
2: army, correct? Is that what we're talking about right now? This is
0: post-washing out and uh, just kind of getting a little more anti-government, a little more radicalized as current events are going on in the world. Yeah, so... It was in the army that he met
2: two just lovely dudes, uh, Terry Nichols and Michael Fortier. These motherfuckers. Yeah, fucking. Okay, so Terry Nichols, if you don't know, he looks like an angry, bespectacled serial killer. Like, his whole story we could do another fucking podcast about. He's a terrible piece of shit. And then Michael Fortier is basically like the least chill stoner ever. He just wanted to get high and talk about how the government was trying to take his weed away and also how black people were terrible.
0: There was also a very large election that happened right at this time, in case you guys don't remember. Uh, this is when warmongering George Bush left the White House and was replaced by a liberal. A
2: goddamn liberal who started to pass a whole lot of legislation about how big my banana clip can be on my AK-47, and that just ain't fucking right. Mr. William Clinton. That's right started to pass a lot of laws like saying hey you don't need a 400 round clip for an automatic weapon and that is a personal affront to Timothy McVeigh.
1: it didn't help that around the same time the government fucking murdered at Reiko, Waco at, at, at Ruby Ridge and definitely while they may not have murdered the people at fucking Waco, they very much did not help the situation. The fucking ATF and the FBI were fucking up at the exact same time that uh, that the, the, this gun legislation was going through, and it was sending ripples through the patriot movement, the white supremacist movement, and the uh, anti- and anti-government movements. Like, it was just fuel for the fire, and the Government just heaped it on there.
0: I'm, like, sitting here struggling to to just think about who I hate more. Yeah,
2: there are no clean hands in this story, except for the fucking
0: people in Oklahoma City.
2: They had absolutely nothing to do with any
0: of this. (laughs) Nothing to do with Oklahoma. Ian's giving me the, what the fuck are you talking about, eyes. Mm -hmm. No, I'm saying, like, between, like, the issues with with the government at Waco and the pieces of shit that were upset by it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was a knee-jerk reaction on knee-jerk reaction on knee-jerk reaction. Like, the people at Ruby Ridge, they were doing stupid shit. Did the government do the right thing?
1: Fuck no, they didn't. They fucking killed them. Like, uh, it was just all bad. Now they straight-up murdered that guy's wife. They straight-up murdered that guy's wife and his you kid. You know how you don't
2: fix that? By killing a bunch of innocent fucking people.
0: And, well, and he was so pissed off at that point. Like, McVeigh's first plan was to kill the sniper that killed that that woman. Yeah. Like, that was his first plan. He wanted to either kill him or kill members of his family. Yeah.
2: He actually would carry around at gun shows, too, he would carry around a little card that had the name, address, and I think nearest gun shop from this guy's house, and he would hand it out to everybody at gun shows and says, it only takes one Patriot fucking psychopath. Jesus fucking Christ. I know, right?
0: Fucking Noodle is just getting weird. That's super fucked up. After the the Waco siege happened, he was enraged. He was basically fully radicalized at this point. He felt like he had a good reason to be radicalized. Even though he didn't. His whole passing out of flyers, passing out of these note cards, all this shit, was basically just building his confidence to follow through with his radicalization. And He went to his former roommate, Terry Nichols' farm. Uh, He hung out there with Terry Nichols and his brother. And here's where they taught him how to create explosives out of uh, kind of readily available materials. They're just like, ah, here's how you make some bombs. And then he learned it. He continued to spew anti-government stuff, uh, started selling more weapons uh, and merch to support his claims. Started to really get crazy, believe conspiracy theories would start going to conspiracy theory sites to, uh, to prove that they existed. Like, I think he went to Area 51, right? See, now it's at this time, and this really gets
1: uh, swept under the rug in the story of Timothy McVeigh. It's at this time that he comes to a place called Elohim City. Elohim City is, a, is basically part of the patriot movement. Which is it's a racist resort. It really is, and it wasn't up until the mid '80s before it was just kind of a racist commune, Christian commune. It was a cult, but it was the mid late '80s, early '90s when they hooked up with a large uh, branch of the white supremacist movement, and Elohim City became really a safe haven and planning. Station, I guess one would put it, for white supremacists and their criminal activities. And it was here that Timothy McVeigh really got his education when it came to the making of bombs, when it came to what he wanted, what they wanted him to do, which was attack. This is the American version of an ISIS training camp. And so many people do not even know that.
0: And it's still. Fucking operating And the fucked up, even more fucked up thing is like, He was still actively taking part in gun shows And like rallies and things like that And like he was being Extremely open about the fact That he was no longer in the propaganda Phase of radicalization But well into the action phase of it And like those around him Fucking knew it They fucking knew it and they just let it happen They were just like oh this guy's a crazy motherfucker Maybe we should do something about it Nah just let him go through with it
1: but you also have to think under those particular terms. All right, so, yeah, half of those people were fucking raging racist pieces of shit. So, yeah, they're going to be totally down with it. The other half is just normal fucking people. And honestly, up until that point, large-scale homeland domestic terrorism wasn't something that was so prominent in the cultural zeitgeist, you know? It's so easy to look back now ex- after everything we've experienced and pass judgment on these people but at the same time the FBI and the uh, ATF knew what was going on and knew something's going down but they also knew well fuck we got to take a soft touch to this cuz uh, uh we damn near fucking started a war with the last two times and your average joe on the street isn't going to think Oh, yeah, he's going to fucking go and bomb shit. We may joke about it, but we never honestly think that.
0: We might now, but back then. You make a good point there because, like, although you said, like, yeah, these racists are down with it, they were down with the concept of it, but they weren't really down with it. You know what I mean? Because there were several people that he approached about joining his cause and taking part in this bombing that said, fuck no. You know what I mean? It's like, li- listen, I'm racist, and I'm anti-government, but I'm not that racist. Look, Timmy, Timmy, actually, Noodle, do you mind if
2: I call you Noodle? I uh, most no- certainly
1: Noodle. fucking do mind that if you call me Noodle. My name is not Noodle, and as a sovereign citizen of this great country, yeah. the Luke Skywalker of this cause, if you will. All right, shut up, Noodle. Hi, you call me Noodle <laughs> again. I, I'm leaving.
2: So that right there, what Joel <laughs> just did, was a great fucking impression of him. So after Waco... Or yeah it was about after waco or ruby ridge a lot of the gun shows around were like hey let's not let people hand out these bumper stickers that say kill all government officials let's just keep it quote unquote no politics so he was allowed to sell his merch but it had to be out in the parking lot but just like when he was 19 as soon as someone said hey could you not do that he was like the government
0: <laughs> yeah and, and like that was his original plan like after planning to kill the sniper and whatnot with the Waco siege, uh, he his original like extremist plan was to murder higher up police and government officials, like just assassinate. Which I, I hate to say it, but it's like the fucking lesser of two evils here. Yeah, you know what I mean. He shouldn't have done any of it. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm saying that like if you if you're forced to choose between bombing a building and killing 168 people and injuring 600 plus more like, or taking out a few government, higher up government officials or police officials. It's like number one, what's going to be more effective as far as like your cause. And number two, like obviously the body count is such a big difference there.
2: I think the whole thing though, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like the entire equation is built on a false argument anyway. It's like, the government wasn't taking away their guns. We can prove that now because we still have guns around. I don't know if you've seen any of the fucking school shooting numbers lately, but it's not great. So the whole idea of what he believed was going to happen was a completely false idea. Anyway, it was never rooted in, in any type of like fucking logic, but man, the Turner diaries though, right? What a fucking page Turner. <laughs> no
0: pun intended, right?
2: Oh fuck. I did.
1: that. I did that. <laughs>
0: A page turner. No, I get it. Do you guys think it had anything to do with ego as well? Like he wanted more recognition for the uh, for the bomb than it. Then obviously, if he were to assassinate like higher up political figures, which number one would be way fucking harder to do. But how much of that do you think would have been swept under the rug in comparison to how big and? grandiose blowing up a building is. Oh,
1: this absolutely has to do with his ego. He very much compared himself to Luke's... He was Luke Skywalker and the U.S. government was the Empire. This was... It's so weird when fucking radicalized assholes use a great pieces of pop culture to fucking justify the ends of their means. Oh, no. But he legitimately believed that this event would be like blowing up the Death Star in the first Star Wars, that this would be the moment that the revolution, to tur- the tide turned against the dark forces of the Empire, and he, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed Aryan Jesus, that he was would fight against the G- the Zionist run establishment and the black bot and the black police force that carries out their Zionist wills. If you think I'm just spewing shit, I am because that's <laughs> what like, they yeah.
0: fucking believe. Isn't it always fucking crazy whenever white supremacists are like, man, I love Harry Potter. And you're like, you do know that you're the bad guy. <laughs> It's like, that's, that's literally
2: you. You're doing that thing right now where you're applying logic. You can't do that. We've talked about that, but old Timmy boy really did see himself as like the, he had this very vivid fantasy life in his head where he saw himself as this hero. Like he scored really well on his entrance exams into the army. The Navy wanted him to be a fucking submarine nuclear specialist the Air Force, I think, wanted him to do some type of computer whatnot work, but he was like, "No, I'm like John Rambo and I love action movies. I'm gonna go into the infantry, which is fine, but like he no like that none of those skills translated to afterwards, so back to the time when he had just gotten done with all these gun shows he can't get a fucking job and he's like affirmative action that's the problem they're trying to make me sell out in the parking lot that's the government all the signs are there man
0: and he and his buddy nichols went lakeside they constructed a a, an amphobe explosive device mounted it to the back of a rider truck the device consisted of five thousand pounds of ammonium nitrate and uh, nitromethane so jesus
1: fucking christ
0: it's a lot of explosives that is a lot of explosives and uh, basically what he did is he drove the Ryder truck to the front of the Alfred P. Marat Federal Building in Oklahoma City. Right his offices opened for the day so people were going in to, to start their daily shifts. People were dropping their kids off at the daycare on uh, one of the floors on the north side of the building. And uh, he lit a two-minute fuse and then he ran his ass off. He specifically targeted that for
1: the reason being that it was what they call a soft target. It had one security guard, one security guard for an entire federal building. He tried parking his vehicle in the underground parking garage, but what happened was he fucking, fucking inbred idiot did not realize that, oh, I won't be able to fit my U haul in there. Hey, hey, hey. It
0: was Ryder. It was Ryder. Let's not bring U haul into this. Right?
1: <laughs> what the? Oh, I'm sure they're fucking. Okay, sorry. <laughs> hey, it's ride or die, bitch. Right. Oh, Jesus oh. Christ. Wow. But no, there's survivors talked about how they saw this big cargo truck driving around in the parking lot trying to find a place. Here's the thing. Timothy McVeigh, specifically, under false pretenses, went up to the fucking uh, nursery, the child care center, and inquired about when it opened, how many kids were there. Under the false uh, pretense that he had a kid, he specifically had a plan B, which was, and he enacted, parking the vehicle directly underneath the window of this fucking of
0: a childcare center right and it was only on the second floor so it was the explosion was extremely close to the to the daycare and so the bomb goes off he ends up killing 168 people that were in, in, in and around this building including 19 kids at the daycare center 684 other people were injured Nichols would go on and say that they knew about the daycare center. Uh, Like you said, Joel, and and they didn't care about it. But later down the line, McVeigh did claim that he didn't know anything about the daycare center. That is absolute horseshit because he specifically said
1: later on that he knew that there were innocent people in there. And he, again, taking it back to this fucking... Pop culture nerd bullshit specifically compared it to the fucking Death Star, saying, Oh, well, we know not everyone in there who worked on the construction, who was on the Death Star, worked for the Empire, but they worked on the Death Star, so, and they were there, so it was all in service to the evil Empire. No, he specifically knew, and he stated multiple times that the people who died in there were what, at, as he put it, were acceptable collateral damage.
0: Uh, The backtracking came more when he was trying to use defenses in court. So a lot of what he was saying was kind of bullshit. anyway. Moving on, like, this is really interesting. So the police traced his vehicle ID number on the rear axle of the truck. They followed up with the rental company. They were able to get a police sketch, which actually was a really good sketch of him. It matched up really, really well. Isn't that fucking crazy, by the way? Can we just take a second to talk about police sketching and how, like, Insane that is. I was watching the docu series on the Golden State Killer and they did a police sketch back in the 70s and like they released it whenever they caught him uh recently, you know, in the last 10 years or so. They fucking put the police sketch up against his picture from the 70s and it was fucking spot on. Oh yeah. It was like holy shit. These guys are good. Yeah,
2: can you imagine that fucking sketch artist is like, "I fucking I told you. I fucking told you." <laughs>
0: poor guy
1: I like how you just say you know like oh they pulled the vehicle ID number out on the of the rear axle of the truck uh the rear axle that was about 5 blocks away and had gone through the <laughs> right, air right. and went into the front of a station wagon full of a family like the dad said he heard the bomb the car lifted up the glass shattered and then he looks up and just sees this thing in the air whoosh, 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 and just <laughs> V's just smashes into the car also we're going to go a little bit of a conspiracy theory when they got the uh, axle the truck the VIN number off the uh, axle of the truck they went and you know talked to the people about it Timothy McVeigh wasn't the only one there there is a mysterious still unnamed second suspect they have a sketch for him but he has yet. I thought it was Nichols. Nope. There is a second unknown suspect that was directly tied, which again leads to the credence that that Timothy McVeigh was not a lone wolf. Timothy McVeigh had support, and it, all evidence points toward it being from Elohim City.
0: But Nichols was arrested and charged for his oh, involvement. Yeah, yet.
1: but there is a unknown suspect that was identified. They they don't know who he is, but the ladies at, at the hotel where they stayed at the night before on uh, April eighteenth were like, "Okay, uh, we know him, uh, but we we don't we know this guy, but we don't know who he is." Yeah, there
0: was an unknown suspect. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, I would almost bet money on it that it was Nichols's brother. The
2: thing that's most important from this to, though is that like, there's actually lots of different evidence that there was another person, but the We were right in the middle of fucking, like, Waco. All this crazy shit had happened, and the police, the FBI, they finally had a fucking easy win, and they were just like, um, we could go after this other guy, or we could just say he did it. Boom, boom, boom. Let's just fucking close this shit up. Let's just close this shop up. Yeah,
0: they needed a win desperately. Bad. Real bad. This is the crazy part for me, is that the only reason they got McVeigh was because he was driving a fucking car without a license plate on it. They pulled him the fuck over. He had an illegal firearm, so they arrested him. Three days later, the the truck rental company comes out and says, oh yeah, that was the guy who rented the fucking truck. And it's like, all these circumstances that could have just as easily not happened, happened, and he was caught. Like, how easy would it have been for him to just be driving a car with a fucking license plate on it that day and never get caught, ever?
1: Yeah. Because the car wasn't stolen.
2: He... Oh, also, he rented the hotel under his real fucking name.
1: He rented the truck under a fake name and got a real
2: name for Yeah, like, he was carrying a firearm without a license in a car without a fucking license plate on it. Like, this, uh, you know, fucking... I am the next Sovereign Jesus guy, like, can't even figure out how to fucking
1: drive. Yeah, he bought a $300 yellow, was it a Malibu? Maybe? Yeah, it was a $300 bright yellow Malibu. Like, that's not fucking noticeable at any point.
0: Even if it is, though, like, if you have the license plate on it, like, fuck, like, how... It just baffles my mind because this shit happens all the time, Joel. Like, we've talked about it so many times in this podcast, like, with villains that just get fucking pulled over or, like, just are caught on accident. And it's like, how many fucking people are there out there like the, like this that have done horrible, horrible acts and they're just never caught because opportunity just doesn't fucking land in our laps?
1: You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's exactly like fucking uh, Ted Bundy said. You know, oh, the first time you remember where everything is. You know exactly what every every circumstance, every single step you take. And around the 20th time, you're like, where the hell did I leave the wrench? That's pretty much what it was. Well,
0: I mean, it was like the freeway killer we were talking about like a few episodes ago. Like, the only reason they fucking caught him is because the activist group... Put out a bounty.
2: Yeah. And then the one kid, he was like, hey, I'm going to kill you later. Was like, hey, cops, there's this guy who said I was going like to kill him later.
0: Like, this dude, that dude's M.O. was, like, good enough to never get caught because he was always moving. You know what I mean? hmm It's like, shit, man. It's just so crazy to me how shit just lines up, how, how the fucking planets align for these fuckers to get caught sometimes. Yeah,
2: I got to hand it to that cop, too, because, you know, this was, I think, State Trooper Nevada, I remember, somewhere. But anyway, he... Yeah, somewhere he pulls over this dude. He's like, hmm, you look like you write novels about
0: great old ones and you've got a gun.
2: I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a hang on to you. Right.
0: So he ends up uh, being arrested, uh, identified. Uh, McVeigh wants to use what's called the necessity defense to say that he was defending himself against the government. Uh, and that's why he blew up the building. Of course, the lawyers were like, fuck you. We are not using that defense. That is not going to do shit for you. It didn't really matter. Nothing was going to do shit for him. Although he was only ever indicted on eight counts of murder for the federal agents that were killed in the building. A conspiracy to use a weapon of mass destruction, using a weapon of mass destruction, and destroying a federal building. So he was given the death penalty anyway. It's kind of interesting that he wasn't indicted for all those other counts of of murder.
1: I think it's kind of bogus. Yeah, I I completely agree. But again... From what I've read, uh, this was a very calculated situation. Yeah. The American government, again, had two black eyes: Ruby Ridge and Waco, and now they needed to show the American public that we can catch the bad guys, we can do it without fucking killing everybody or causing, you know, hell on earth or, over- or fucking it up, and they also needed to show that we can bring about a conviction and end a court case quickly. They needed a quick win on this one. It
0: was also interesting because McVeigh kind of decided his own destiny at this point because they essentially were going to put him in prison for life, uh, like they did Nichols. They put him in prison for life. But they were going to put McVeigh in prison for life, and he said, no, I'd rather die than live in prison for the rest of my life. So they give him the death penalty, and a couple years later in 99, he actually appealed the death penalty, and they were like, oh, no, buddy. No, no, no! no. Like, you're done. You're fucking done He gets lethal injection And killed in 2001 While uh, McVeigh was in prison Bill Clinton signs this bill Disallowing capital crime veterans uh, Capital crime committing veterans To be buried in any military cemeteries Just as an extra fuck you uh, To Timothy McVeigh And thus ends the story Of this fucking piece of shit Do you guys know His last interview
1: Before he died, before his execution, it was literally days before his execution, they asked him a couple questions. Two of my favorites are, the first one is, he actually had the gall to bitch about that he couldn't get his favorite haircut the whole time he's been in prison. I'll just, I can't get a decent brush cut here. And then they said, what happens if you die and you go to hell? This... This motherfucker looks at the camera and says, "I'm a marine. I will adapt. I will overcome, and I will survive. You gonna adapt, overcome, and survive? Hell, oh, you delusional mother! You fucking piece of
0: <coughs> <shit>. <coughs> Sorry. Ugh, I have a sore throat. It must be uh, COVID nineteen. The
2: most try-hard fucking idiot ever. He wanted to be Rambo. He oh, and by the way, the reason that he he like went back on his uh, I don't want to die thing anymore was because he slowly started realizing that he wasn't anyone's hero. All the people at the ranch were like, oh, he must have been uh, conspiracizing with the government that to get you know them to look conspiracizing it up
1: conspiracizing with the government. <laughs> I'm serious.
0: <laughs> They're so fucking stupid that they, when somebody actually does do something radicalized, they fucking completely, completely do a 180 and they're like, oh, no way, I can't believe he did that. He must have been working for the government. It's like, wait, so what, what, (laughs) what's the win here? It's almost like people who have a tendency
2: to believe in conspiracy theories always believe in things that confirm their ideas. It's weird, right?
0: It's super weird. You know what I hate the most about Timothy McVeigh, aside from, you know, the murder of 168 people? His haircut? No, it's that his last meal was my sec- is my second favorite ice cream. What? what? Yeah. Mint chocolate chip, man. That was his last meal?
2: That's his last meal?
0: His last meal was two pints of mint chocolate chip ice Fuck. cream. Oh, I'll bet he did that on purpose, just so when
1: he fucking got... When he died, he just shit so much that all the padding and the cork they basically have up your ass, when you get, inje- when you get lethal injection, it just seeped out all over the place. <laughs> I guarantee you he did that as another way to say fuck you to the government. Because that's what Luke Skywalker would do against the evil empire. He'd make sure he shit his pants on death. I can't
0: wait to think about Timothy McBay every time I eat mint chocolate chip ice cream. Thanks a lot, man.
2: Okay, real quick question. Final meal.
0: What you, gonna do? What you Ooh, gonna do? That's tough, man. I'd have to think about that. I think it would have to be like, I don't know.
1: I really don't. Lo mein noodles with uh, pepper
0: uh, shrimp and um, fried wontons. I. So, am I dying in the in the morning or in the evening? Okay, I'm gonna have to go with like the thickest blueberry pancakes that you can think of, just sopping with like homemade butter and and maple syrup, and then thick. Thick like patties of sausage to dip in the maple syrup. God,
2: I just imagine you in yourself just rolling around in it, just like <laughs> s- just smothering your body and like, Yeah! Y'all
1: are gonna execute me. I got my syrup all over me. Come and Get Me Pig. <laughs> wait, wait. Is she a big is she a great big fat person? <laughs> I don't know why I made you sound like the fucking Buffalo Bill, but
0: <laughs> And then the freshest like the the freshest, strongest cup of uh Colombian coffee that I could possibly get. Do you like coffee fresh from <laughs>
1: Colombia?
2: Uh, mine, that's easy. Endless breadsticks. From Fazoli's or Olive Garden? Doesn't matter. I'll never die. Oh, you.
1: <laughs> They're right. endless. You beat the system, bro. Fuck you. I
2: the system against itself, man.
1: <laughs> did you not listen to the podcast I did where I explained that Fazoli's and fucking uh... Yeah, the Fazoli's will cut you off from breadstick. You get about a dozen. They
0: didn't cut us off when we were teenagers. That's for fucking sure. They cut me off at 13. Steven, you're scarier. You really are. (laughs) All right, you guys ready to move on to Brady Hartsfield, the fictional villain of the day?
2: Yes, dude. Thank you so much for introducing me to this. So you haven't
0: read any of the books or seen the show or anything like that, right?
2: I've, I've started watching the show. It was hard to find because fucking AT&T, so I...
0: Yeah, it's on the AT&T network. What kind of bullfuck is that?
2: Yeah, so... I would never suggest going on to Russian mirror sites and watching this because AT&T is an evil conglomerate. Can we just talk about
0: how, real quick, how perfect Brendan Gleeson is as Bill Hodges, by the way?
2: Fucking dude. Yes. It's
0: fucked up because years and years ago on Motion Picture Meltdown, we were talking about this for some reason. And this was like probably four years before the show came out. Phil was like, so who would you get to play Bill Hodges? And I was like, Brendan Gleeson. And then they fucking cast him as him like four years later, and I'm like, just a huge, just erect dick for it.
2: My balls (laughs) got so long.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember,
1: I remember when they announced the show, and I was like, who, who the fuck is gonna play Brady? And then they said it was Harry Treadway,
0: and I was just like, oh shit, the dude from Penny Dreadful? Fuck yes!
1: Fuck yes!
0: It's funny because Harry Tradeaway actually wasn't the original casting for Brady Hartsfield. Uh, the original casting was Anton Yelchin, the guy from Green Room and Star Trek. and uh, Yes!
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah, he,
0: unfortunately. But unfortunately, he died uh, before they could start making the show, and so they had to recast the part.
1: Anton Yelchin's death was one of the few celebrity deaths where I was like genuinely bummed out oh yeah he's so, young. so I, young he's just so good at everything he did uh... <laughs> like what what was one he wasn't good at? it was a star trek no
2: no no i loved <laughs> him in that i loved him in all of those uh fuck what was that percy jackson one
1: he wasn't in percy jackson
2: no 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 no. he was in a fucking oh shit you know what just cut
1: all this shit if out. you say odd thomas i'm gonna oh that's you. it oh my god it was so bad oh, that's a dean Koontz book. hold on before we go any further I understand that it's a terrible movie, but Anton Yelchin, Yelchin in that film had the Morgan Freeman effect. That was a terrible movie. A Morgan Freeman movie might be absolutely terrible, but how much worse would it be if Morgan Freeman wasn't in it?
2: Okay, okay, okay. Now,
1: take that to Odd Thomas. Odd Thomas is a shitty movie, but it's, it's a guilty pleasure for me. But how bad would it have been if Anton Yelchin wasn't the titular character of odd thomas
2: let me follow your logic here i want you to eat this actual turd okay i want you to put this turd in your gullet right but i'm gonna put some sriracha on it and how much worse would this turd be if it didn't have
0: this sriracha
1: that's exactly what i'm saying
0: (laughs) (laughs) once again ian i feel like you are Adding to the point here, buddy. You're
1: totally adding to the fucking point.
2: I I just don't mean to, but like as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of what they meant. Mm.
0: <laughs> All right, let's move on. Let's get started with with Brady. You know what's interesting about Brady is that he feels like the most realistic fictional villain that I think we've talked about on this show.
2: I agree with that. I was actually talking to a buddy of mine the other day about how I would love to see. Like, we used Magneto as an example. I would love to see the Magneto story, seeing it from the bad guy's perspective. You don't have to necessarily empathize with him, but, like, it's it's very interesting to see it from a, like, see them as a
0: flawed human, not this, like, Machiavellian, never-see. Stephen King is a master at developing characters. That is his strength as a writer, is his character development.
1: Yeah, Stephen King's great at character development, but when he writes a teleplay... It just, he just doesn't quite know how to fucking end it uh,
0: Yeah, I'm not talking about that Like I'm specifically talking about His character development is his strong point in writing It always has been And so in the Mr. Mercedes trilogy You get to see all of the point of views From Brady Hartsfield himself So we get such a deeper look into this villain Not only does it do what Ian says And gives us just more of a, an insight to him But you just hate him even fucking more than you would somebody that's just kind of, that you really only just see do the actions here. Like, if you were to if you were to put Brady Hartsfield in a Magneto position, or not a Magneto, but like a Doctor Doom position, you would see Brady Hartsfield run over people with a car and try to blow up a building, and that's it. You wouldn't know anything else about it. But because he's Magneto and it's Stephen King writing, it's like,
1: I'm going to sleep with my mother regularly, Charles! Charles! <laughs> Charles! I'm going to have sex with my mother, the only woman who can
0: keep me satisfied, Charles. (laughs) All right, so let's get into Brady's childhood a little bit. As a child, uh, his father died in like a freak electrocution accident. And so he lives with his mother and his younger brother, Frankie. They're sitting on the couch one day watching cartoons. And he was about maybe two, three years older than Frankie. And Frankie starts choking on an apple slice. And Brady just sits there and watches it happen. And so Frankie chokes. Uh, They finally get the EMTs get there. They remove the apple slice and he is in a coma. Uh, He eventually wakes up, but he has brain damage. The insurance pays out. The insurance for the father's death pays out. But his mom squanders all the money. Can't afford to take care of Frankie's special needs. So what she does is she kicks his fire truck that he's playing with down the basement stairs. And then she signals for Brady to take care of it. So Brady takes the signal and kicks Frankie down the stairs, breaking his neck on the basement stairs. Right off the bat, he establishes himself as a little psychopath. Yeah, okay, if he just yeah. sat
2: there and watched his brother, like, I understand that there's fight, flight, and freeze. So that's not necessarily saying that that's, like, like, what he meant to do was just watch his brother die. But you can definitely see how his home life is sort of built up this idea.
0: If I remember correctly, and I may be wrong, but if I remember correctly, in the books, he actually turned up the volume on the cartoons whenever his brother was choking.
1: Okay, and before we go any further with this, can I can I just say something, uh, folks? If you haven't read and you're really interested in reading the Mister. Mercedes series, the trilogy, or watching the show, uh, spoiler alerts coming up. <laughs> yeah, galore. Because um... honestly, honestly. In in just researching, like, I haven't been able to read all the books. Uh, The research for this episode has so spoiled some shit. And I'm like, well, how the fuck do we get there? How does that happen? So I feel we should say bit of a spoiler alert.
0: Yeah, it's good because the books are fucking great and they're worth reading. It's kind of uh, Stephen King's full jump into crime novels. And of course, like, as the series goes on, he, he sort of turns it back into that Stephen King supernatural type stuff that he does well. I
1: was going to say. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. No, maybe no, no. the first book. <laughs> the trilogy is a perfect blend of crime, mystery, and uh, and supernatural horror as it gets to the end. But anyway, Brady and his mother cover up uh, the killing of, of his little brother. As he gets older, they routinely perform sexual acts with each other. Uh, because his mother's the only one that can keep him satisfied. Uh, As he's growing up, he loves tinkering with electronics, builds his own supercomputer in the basement, uh, starts working at a discount computer repair shop and hoarding parts, and uh, develops this remote that can alter traffic patterns on, like, stoplights and whatnot, and, more importantly, unlock uh, or relock or start electronic cars, um like the mercedes benz that he steals at 4 a.m. and runs into a unemployment line of people that are sleeping and waiting for the employment office to open up killing eight of them including a mother and her young baby that are sleeping in a tent that he runs through oh fuck see stephen king does this about killing kids man that it is
1: pet cemetery is when i fucking clocked out for a very long time i don't remember
0: the exact line but in mr mercedes he basically refers to uh the tent looking like uh jelly squirts out of it yeah that was a jelly yeah, a jelly oh. <laughs> thank you ian thank you for for remembering
1: my thanks name. thanks i i needed that shit i know that like in my head now it bothers you joel that like he that
2: King tends to kill children in his books, Um, and I get it. I understand why that's very disturbing, because it is disturbing, but it is like, if you want to gut-punch an audience and get them invested into knowing that this person is an irredeemable piece of shit, a real easy way to do that is, one, kick a dog, two... Kill a kid. Right off the bat,
0: too, within the first, basically the first chapter of the fucking book. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I can't
1: really talk shit considering episode seven of the upcoming podcast. is yeah, It's like, I really can't say shit. Because yeah, dude, he kicks so many dogs and fucked.
0: <laughs> and he's going to kill children after he gets off the podcast. So. I might. Anyway, go on. At this point, he's being hunted by a retired police officer named Bill Hodges. He's toying with Bill the whole time through a messenger system on his supercomputer. I mean, he's just fucking with him hardcore. He's prying on Bill's loneliness, on his uh, paranoia. He just preys on him, basically. He ends up putting a bomb in Bill's car. It ends up exploding and killing Bill's girlfriend instead of him. So he's now murdered another person by blowing her the fuck up.
1: And now you've taken Brendan Gleeson's girlfriend. Now you're fucked now I'm coming for you, lad. That actually wasn't a bad
2: I'm Brendan, Brendan Gleeson, buddy. It wasn't
0: terrible. He wasn't yeah. terrible.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, man. Now do, <laughs> re- new, hey, do, do, do games Shut in up. New York. Do that
1: one. <laughs> I'm
0: not a, a monkey to dance for you. Shut up. Doing bruges. He continues to, to tease him and, and fuck with him. And at this point, he's like, it's like, all right, you know what? It's time for a bigger bang here. So he shaves his head. He pretends to be a handicapped guy, sits in a wheelchair and creates a remote trigger And straps a bomb to his wheelchair He buys a ticket And goes into a boy band concert To blow it up And kill everyone inside Including himself As like one one final showing That he's a fucking badass You know Bye
1: bye 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 bye
0: <laughs> oh.
1: I don't want to blow you up I just want to run you over with my car Might sound crazy, but I'll kill your girlfriend. Bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye.
0: (laughs) So he is stopped at the concert. One of Bill's partners beats him into a coma with a sock filled with ball bearings. By the way, (laughs) how fucking brutal! Love
1: it. I don't know why that makes me laugh. I just imagine his partner has like just a New Yorker accent Oh, you're a crazy fucking. Come here, you. Come here and just beat you with a fucking sock full of ball bearings,
0: you motherfucker. It's actually a young woman that does it, so now you got to change it.
1: You (laughs) motherfucker, I'm going to beat you with a fucking sock full of ball bearings. There
0: you go. He is kept alive. He is in a coma in the hospital. Although all the hospital saying he has brain damage, like he'll never recover. He's just going to be a vegetable for the rest of his life. And in the second novel, he's kind of just, he's not really in it. He is just kind of a background character that Bill goes and visits as like kind of part of his, uh, his dwindling, like his psyche. He like goes and visits and like just talks to him while he's still in a coma. He's like, I fucking know that you're, I know that you're listening. You might have the doctors fooled and they might think you're brain damaged, but I fucking know that you're listening and shit like that. And there's this whole other story that goes on in the second book. It really has nothing to do with Brady. So we're going to skip over to that and at the end of the yeah i think my favorite my favorite part of the second book was when he would go
2: in there and he would tell him what was happening on that latest series of survivor i was like king why are you doing this and it was just chapters on chapters of him talking about survivor it was really weird that didn't happen no shit <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally. I was like, "Why the fuck am I gonna read this book if it's just
0: Stephen King talking about?" I was throwing that out there for our audience. Ian is just lying. Oh, thank God. (laughs) So, uh, at the end of the second book, though, uh, Brady does confirm Bill's suspicions, and at this point. This woman hit him so fucking hard with a sock full of ball bearings that she gave him telekinesis and eventually telepathy.
2: If it was possible, both Joel and I would have telepathy. Yeah, I'm gonna
0: smack telepathy into your fucking ass, Joel. Please do. Yes, that's exactly Please. how it works. Would you guys argue with each other through telepathy?
1: I would use tell. Uh, no, I I would just be happy with telekinesis. You
0: control your cup into the other room to fill it back up with coffee and bring it back to you. Seemed oddly specific. I <laughs> just feel like that's something you would do. Oh, okay. That's
2: the one thing he wants to do. That and be able to shit and never touch the toilet. No,
1: just imagine, if you will, all those people that talk about how, like, I will pay you a million dollars if you can prove telekinesis. All right. (laughs) Big talk about how they got a million dollars in cash. They will give to you if you can prove. Okay. (laughs) And then, like, lift them off the ground and drop them after, like, six feet off the ground. All right, where's my million? (laughs) Your telepathy. I'm all about the quick
0: cash. I would just use the telekinesis to just steal all the money in the bank and just bring it to me. Go fuck yourself.
1: Go on. <laughs> since, we've now, since we've now returned from a crime drama to fucking Stephen King's telekinesis and
0: telekinetic. I loved the first two books. And then when I read the synopsis of the third book, I was like, God fucking damn it. We got two great mystery crime stories out. The first one, I was like, this third book is going to fucking blow and then I read it and I was like, huh, that fucking worked. But Ian Malcolm, the son of a bitch, did it. The crazy son of a bitch did it.
2: <laughs> he fucking did Somehow he did like, at Andy Dufresne never knew that he had tele- And it's nations. like, oh,
0: okay, well, this is just fine. This is fine now. What he does is he uses telepathic powers to control someone into buying up all these old, like, second market dollar store Game Boy devices And he tweaks, he uses his electronic skills to tweak the already hypnotic messages on the games and the images to urge people to kill themselves because he gets off on control. Like the thought of making people kill themselves like arouses him sexually. That's kind of an interesting part of the book is he uses his powers to transfer his consciousness into another body. And then his body dies. So like Bill Hodges is like, "Mm hmm... I don't, I don't trust it, but he's like, okay, well, he's fucking dead. Right. You know, because the hospital says he's dead. I've seen his body. He's fucking dead. Like don't have to worry about Brady anymore, but Brady uses this other body to enact this plan to fucking murder all the kids that use this fucking game boy and have them kill themselves. So Bill and his team, like figure out what the fuck is going on. There's a big showdown out in the woods and another one of Bill's partners fucking runs over Brady with a snowcat and cuts him in half. I don't know why Stephen King loves snowcats so much, but... He
1: really does. He (laughs) really likes snowcats.
0: I think it's the one
1: inanimate object he hasn't made a haunted item yet. (laughs) Hi, I'm Stephen King, and in my next film, it's absolutely frightening as I turn snowcat into a terror cat.
2: (laughs) Hey, guys. Okay, so I didn't realize it until you gave me the synopsis of that, but... Is that just the movie with Denzel Washington called Fallen? No, no
1: absolutely no. no.
2: It kinda is. No, it's a no. serial killer that's able to transfer his consciousness into a different body, causes people to kill themselves. Not quite. With a cop that's like like really smart, kind of disgraced. It ends in the woods. I'm
1: just saying, Ian, you need to ask, the real question you need to ask yourself is, what is the, what is in the space between Lyons and Spakowski? Is that a reference I'm trying uh, to? Yes. I know the movie fans who are listening will get it. Go on, Steven. Also,
0: but like, wasn't that a demon? And that's why the serial killer was a serial killer in the first place, because a demon was transferring back and forth between bodies? Yes.
2: Yeah, it's a great movie, by the way. You should, anybody who's listening, go watch that movie. Denzel's amazing.
1: Time is on my it's- side yes it is
0: and then after you finish the movie go listen to the motion picture meltdown podcast on that movie
1: (laughs) always be
2: plugging Uh.
0: (laughs) a couple other things we didn't mention like he is a crazy homophobe he's an extreme racist all the great things that come with being a psychopath
1: yeah
2: yeah there's incest there's uh children killing there's uh Getting people to self-control, too. There's, It's got... it's, It hits all the marks. It's good. All the walls.
0: Yeah. Like I said before we started him, obviously, aside from the supernatural shit, his personality and actions feel like a real villain. Yeah, before the whole telekinesis thing. Well, I'm just saying, like, obviously, there's a supernatural stuff in all of Stephen... not In most of Stephen King's stuff. You know what I mean? In most of his writings. And, like, sometimes you get villains in his stories that are just... So fucking realistic. Like, for instance, just Martin Sheen plays his character in The Dead Zone. The fucking politician that's just a scummy race, rapist fucking murderer. And it's like, God, these people fucking exist. And he just, just does a, such a great job of just describing them.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really good mark of a writer, too, when they can show you, like, what made them that way and really, like, put you in that skin. But Never.
0: Never! Never! <laughs> Let's move on to the bowler hat scale, shall we? Are we going to have much debate here for either of these dudes? No, I think we all can agree they're a strong
1: <laughs> nine across the board. Uh, totally, completely, irredeemable.
0: Absolutely, it's hard for me to not give McVeigh a ten, man.
1: Kind of, I kind of have to agree too. It's hard. Like, it's
0: hard, but you know it, the, the the body count,
1: one hundred and sixty eight people. Yeah, but then we gave we gave. I mean, look who's at number. Look who's at ten. Look who's at 10, though. Genghis Khan, Dracula,
0: and Jimmy Savile. But nobody that we've put at 9 has even close to this body count. Not even close.
2: Well, it's okay. The thing that really bothers me here is that it was this whole, like, imaginary war. Like, Genghis Khan killed a lot of people that were innocent, obviously. But he actually was, like, a fucking warlord. And then Dracula, same dealio. Um, I don't even want to fucking think about saddle uh but this we're talking about vlad the
0: impaler here right not dracula i mean basically yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. vlad the impaler sorry
2: dracula! but um man i don't i'd have to say i'm gonna put him at probably a 10 just because all of this shit was just in his like just made up and he was just doing it because he wanted other people to think he was i
0: hear fucking, what you're saying a kill yeah. over 100 people like you're going at a 10 for me bruh yeah <laughs>
1: i'm just gonna I, like i i completely understand where you guys are coming from yeah but I'm gonna I'm just gonna stick with a nine on yeah, him. That's fair. Like I understand, over a hundred people it puts you way the fuck up there. But the worst of the worst for me is at ten, and you know, wooden poles up people's asses, uh, <laughs> boiling people alive, like yeah. Genghis Khan did, and molesting and sexually assaulting and destroying the psyche
0: of. Did you say Chingus Khan? Chingus well, Khan, yeah. as it's because as, that would definitely be my rap artist name. Chingus yeah. Khan. And oh we,
2: my god, that's so good.
0: <laughs> yeah, and
1: and and the and the sexual assault and destruction of the minds and souls of literally thousands of children over your entire life. That's what you know. That's as gross as it's going to sound. That's the high water mark. For villainy and mcveigh is real close but he is just a nine for me
0: okay what about hartsfield 10 what how is he more
1: oh wait he didn't blow up the no he didn't blow it up he attempted to okay yeah he's he's a nine he's a nine he
0: successfully killed 10 people he uh he killed his little brother eight people with the mercedes and then he blew up hodge's girl and the doctor he killed the doctor oh and the doctor yes And a nurse. He he made a nurse kill herself. So, effectively, 12 people.
2: Uh, He made an old lady kill herself, too, the one that supplied the mercy. Yes,
0: that's the... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes.
1: So, 13 people. I'm I'm still going to put him at a nine. Because, straight up, once you start getting supernatural abilities, and you have massive world-destroying, like... Super villain. He wanted to m-
0: create mass suicides among children. Yeah, that that puts you at a nine. Okay, I'm with yeah. you there.
1: So before okay, we say okay, anything, okay, no, okay, they are okay. not redeemable.
0: No, of course not. God, we're gonna get that Just one saying. listener that's like, well, uh, actually, Timothy McVeigh went to church
1: every single Sunday. You go <laughs> fuck yourself and shut up. <laughs> you shut up,
0: listener. Yeah, cheats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. He, uh, he only dabbled in uh, crystal
0: meth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get to that listener feedback, shall we?
1: Absolutely. Steven, how about you start us?
0: All right. This is from Gay Monet from Twitter. Uh, they said, I'm listening to the Joe Exotic episode and Joel, I'll definitely be one of your three husbands.
1: Well, hot damn. Come on down. <laughs> I'm going to plunder you like you were my own little tiger bitch. Hi, all you cute kittens. Hey, all you cute cat <laughs> 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 Jesus. I know hey, exactly
0: man. who that is. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've got to be pretty likable if somebody wants to be one of your three husbands, Joel. I am fucking ad- I am a fucking
1: dream. <laughs> okay? I am adorable.
0: Ooh,
2: there's another option, though.
1: Oh,
0: that's true. That's true. Fuck you. Oh, that's,
1: uh, oh, that's hard. Hey, okay, our next piece of feedback <laughs> comes from Jared. He says, this past episode, Shark Week, was my favorite. I learned so much. I like Ian. He is a good mix with you guys. Do you guys think they were bull sharks or great whites? The M.O. sounds like bull sharks, but the bite slash visual sounds like a great white.
0: (laughs) We don't have time to nerd out about sharks for another fucking hour and 45 minutes, Jared.
2: Dude, I... I, I we both have very strong opinions about that, Jared. And for the sake of brevity, I think we should keep them to my- ourselves because we know
0: it was bull sharks. Well, no, 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 no.
1: Mm.
0: We don't. We don't. Mm. Okay. You're the mayor off of Jaws. Uh, the bite radius doesn't matter. Uh, This is definitely the this this beast. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I don't
2: need to spill some dead kid on this fucking podcast right now, okay? Let's dissect this later.
1: All right, all right, fair. Ian, how about you hit this up next? So we
2: got Honey Bunny from Apple Podcasts goes on to say, The chemistry between the hosts, Stephen, Joel, and Ian, are fun and informative, but especially when they rag on one another for terrible, quote, wonderful accents and impressions of Grony quote delectable puns the real life villain versus the fictional villain comparisons will have you ooing and thirst for more and they're so good about talking on listener requests a very interactive podcast where they can listen care and love their audiences i look forward to more episodes. i feel
0: like you just went into like a as seen on tv commercial like ha- halfway through that
1: i did
2: i really <laughs> leaned into i that.
1: absolutely yeah. want you to read all the listener feedback from now on with <laughs> that
0: voice Yeah, uh, thank you very much. That was a five star Apple Podcast review. So fuck
2: yeah, man! That's like the most official shit ever. Mm -hmm. Thank
0: you. Uh, Our last piece of feedback comes from Ed Emmeray, also on Apple Podcasts. This was another five star review. They went on to say, "I was recommended to listen to you guys by Jared Murphy." Thank you, Jared. This was the same Jared that left feedback. So killing it. Spreading the word, thank you And I started at the beginning of COVID closures I've loved it, kept me entertained while I was home And continuing to bring laughs to our scary world I've learned a lot of cool stuff And this has led me to researching and learning more about some crazy villains Keep it up guys, really enjoying each episode I'm finally caught up
2: Dang, you started at the beginning of COVID and you're caught up? Fantastic
0: yeah. Yeah, that's fucking awesome And also, like, kind of our mission right now, you know? Yes. Fucking the world sucks right now. It sucks.
2: Dude. Yes. Let's talk about some. Let's talk about some fucking sharks. Let's talk about some fucking magnet men. <laughs> <And this laughs>
0: magnet men. Like if we can, if we can make you laugh, even one time during this episode, it's worth it for us. It's worth listening to Ian bitch for an hour and a half, just to make you laugh once. I
2: do not, bitch, Steven Would you
0: like to speak to the manager? <laughs> It's worth listening to Ian just be wrong about sharks for an hour and 45 minutes. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Them's fighting words. A little close to home, okay?
2: A little close to home. All
0: right, guys. Thank you so much for the feedback. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to tell more of your friends about us, they can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on TuneIn, and any other major podcast platform out there. If you'd like to leave us some listener feedback, find us on Facebook. On Twitter and on Instagram at the Curly Mustache Podcast. Uh, we will address it on the show, just like we've been doing. Uh, if you'd like to check out some other podcasts from uh, United Cypher, right now we've got Motion Picture Meltdown and a Joel's Edge of the World broadcast available for listening to on on all of those uh, podcast platforms.
1: I just want to say thank you for the amazing response that we've got. I've gotten from people about it. It has been humbling. And I'd like to off- issue a challenge to our listeners. If our listeners promote the show and all of you subscribe, if I get 800 subscribers by uh, September 18th, I will literally put a video on the website of me wearing nothing but a sequined American flag banana hammock while reading excerpts from Happy Birthday Dracula, Now Pound My Butt
0: by Chuck Tingle.
2: I have a... I have a challenge in the opposite direction. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I'm, I'm already on board with Ian's challenge already.
2: Yeah. <laughs> if we get 800 subscribers to Joel's uh, <clears throat> Edge of the World podcast by that same date, I'll make sure Joel doesn't do that. So no one has to see that. Please and thank you. Well, see, now I
0: believe that we're going to get 800 subscribers in two weeks. Now, I actually believe that. It's worth a shot. I'm all. <laughs>
1: listen, I'm dedicated to this shit, all right? God damn it.
0: <laughs> I know, Joe, but we don't negotiate with <laughs> terroristic
1: actors. <laughs> all right, guys.
0: Lastly, if you want to check out some podcasts that we listen to, check out Nerdonomy. Check out the Whiskey Reel. Sorry to waste your time. And Code Yellow, a scare actors podcast. I'm Steven.
2: I'm Jalikula. And I'm. Um... I'm Ian. I kicked the kid down the stairs. Ming. No, nope, that was bad.
0: Um. And <laughs> make sure you stay. <laughs>